Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Good day, good afternoon. It is Thursday. That means it's Fresh Thinking time, this time of the afternoon. That's when we pick our brains, we stretch our minds, and we talk about things that are part and parcel of life from a spiritual perspective. Welcome aboard. It's wonderful to have you, as always. It's great to have the interaction, your views, your opinions. One thing that I do know about the Fresh Thinking crowd is that you're an insightful group of people. And so it's wonderful to have insight and to have perspective. So please share yours with us during the course of this conversation. It's going to be interesting. The reason it's going to be interesting is because it's the time of the year where everybody uses heavy-duty words like introspection. Not that the word is so heavy, but the implication clearly is. This is the time where we build up to Rosh Hashanah, and there's a lot of talk about reflection and about thinking through the past and what have we done, what have we not done, what do we have to correct, what should we be working on. So one of those areas, we talk about our relationship with God, and that's where you cut yourself on the chest and you say, I've sinned in this way and I've sinned in that way and I'd like to make amends. There's another whole area of personal development and reflection at this time of the year. And that's between us and the next person. And this is the time of the year where everybody speaks about forgiveness. And there are certain jokes that do the rounds in religious circles about the mass WhatsApp that everybody sends out at this time of the year to say, if I have wronged you in any way, this anonymous WhatsApp, please forgive me. Because there's a principle to ask for forgiveness, to seek forgiveness. Hashem God cannot forgive you on somebody else's behalf. If you've got an issue with another person, you have to settle it with the other person. And likewise, if a person has an issue with you, they've got to come and they've got to settle it with you. This is quite an an open and honest time, or at least it should be, a time where we speak our minds and we say, this is where you hurt me. And this is where I think that you owe me an apology. And and then there's the responsibility that we have to uh, forgive. (laughs) So that's what we're going to talk about today, this principle of forgiveness. Forgiveness, which is very often, perhaps even always, associated with somebody else. Forgiving somebody else. At this time of the year, we're pushed to forgive other people. The person who spoke badly to me, the person who let me down, the person who perhaps uh, treated me badly. There are all kinds of scenarios where you might feel that you have to or that you're expected to forgive somebody. So today I'd like to talk about something just a little different, and that is, first and foremost, which one is more difficult to do? Is it more difficult to forgive somebody else, or is it more difficult to forgive yourself? And that's going to be the launch pad of our conversation today, because I'm very curious about the notion of forgiving ourselves. To forgive other people, there's a lot of literature, there's a lot of focus, there's a lot of conversation at this time of the year. So (laughs) you can read up on it, you can tune in, you can listen. There are so many resources about exactly that, the importance of forgiveness and how, as the Rambam says, we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be stubborn about it. If a person approaches us to forgive them, we should be malleable, we should be willing to forgive. All that kind of literature is out there and available. What about forgiving ourselves? If we've let ourselves down, if at this time of the year, we have done things that we look back and say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe, I just don't believe it. So I'd like to ask you, just by way of introduction, which is the more difficult process? To forget other people? Forgive, not to forget. 
to forgive other people or to forgive ourselves. Love to hear your views on that. So here's the ways of how you connect. You can send a text via SMS on 34519, via Telegram on 0618951019. You could comment in the conversation on Facebook, either on the FM Facebook page or on my Facebook Live. And you can tweet at FM or tweet me directly at Abashish. Which one is more difficult, to forgive others or to forgive yourself? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So interesting. So interesting. As you begin a conversation along these lines, so people begin to weigh in. It is Fresh Thinking time. That means that we look at everything from a fundamentally, I was going to say slightly, but it's not. It's a fundamentally different perspective. That's what we try and achieve over here. And my question to launch today's conversation is, this is a time of the year when you're supposed to focus on forgiveness. So my question is, which one is more difficult, to forgive yourself or to forgive the next person? Generally speaking, when we speak of forgiveness at this time of the year, a lot of the conversation and a lot of the literature is about forgiving other people. And I'm particularly interested in forgiving ourselves and what that means and should we be doing it? Is it even a Jewish value? Uh, it, it Does it have any real basis in any spiritual teaching? So I think just to start that conversation, it was valuable to begin by asking, so which one is more difficult? Because we're so often pushed at this time of the year to forgive other people. So which one is more difficult, to forgive ourselves or to forgive other people? So some of the, I mean, it's, I guess it's a binary question, right? It's a yes or a no, yourself or others. Some people are just giving us one word answers, which is fine. I'd love if you could explain it though. So here's Chaim who says, definitely yourself. Sydney says, yourself. Um, somebody says over here, it's a good question. Thank you. I appreciate that it's a good question. So well, what do you think about it, though? Do you think that it's more difficult to forgive yourself or to forgive somebody else? That's the question. Uh, Laura says, yourself. Um, Tom Eris says, yourself, for sure. Okay. Uh, Justine says, yourself. So there are quite a number of people who feel, um, I'm looking, trying to see if anybody over here has said that it is more difficult to forgive somebody else. And I'm sure that it has to do with a person's experience, surely. It must have to, something to do with uh, how people have treated you or, or what it is exactly that they've done against you, surely. Surely that would have part of the influence of whether or not it's easy or difficult to forgive them. Okay, so <clears throat> let's let's see. Very, very interesting how these one-word answers. So which one is it? Is it more difficult to forgive yourself or is it more difficult to forgive other people? And I'm challenging anybody who said that it is more difficult to forgive either one, actually. Uh, why? Why? So here's somebody who says, Ephraim says, it is most difficult to recognize your own faults and to try and work on them. So that would seem to imply that it's not so much about being difficult to forgive yourself. I think that's a different conversation. That's about the difficulty we have around recognizing that we've done something wrong. That's a whole kettle of fish in its own right. It's something that has to be explored in its own right, but that's not exactly what we're speaking about today. We're talking specifically about forgiving ourselves, not about ignoring our mistakes. So why would a person find it difficult to forgive themselves? Because they would feel that what they have done, I'm assuming, I mean, perhaps you'll share some of your own views, what they had done would be so embarrassing or so disappointing, 
Or I cannot believe that I promised myself I would never do this. And here I am and I've repeated that behavior again. So it's not about ignoring what I've done or pretending it hasn't happened, taking an ostrich approach. It's about actually just finding it so heavy and so overwhelming and I'm so stuck and I don't know how to extricate myself. I mean, for example, what happens, and, and I did see somebody mention this earlier and I, I just, I've got to find it, uh, where a person made a comment um, that, haha, that's funny. Don't know how it relates to this, but somebody posted, there are two types of people, those who are humble and those who are about to be humble. <laughs> Which is funny. I don't know if it relates specifically. Yeah, Irv says on Twitter, definitely yourself by far. Much more difficult to forgive yourself. It's interesting that people say that. I would have imagined that people often are willing to overlook their own mistakes. Say, listen, you have to understand the circumstances, what uh, what happened, why I was I was in a bad mood, I, I was going through a difficult period of my life or whatever. But so and so. How dare they behave that way? I would have kind of imagined that people would cut themselves some slack quicker than they would forgive somebody else. But apparently that's not the case. And I, I'm starting to realize why. Because if you're at the point where there is a question of whether you should forgive yourself or not, that means that you have acknowledged that you've done something wrong. So the conversation, that the, the whole conversation around whether or not we miss our mistakes is a different conversation. I'm talking about when we're alert, when we're awake to the things that have gone wrong. And we confront them and we feel the burn. This was bad. I shouldn't have done it. That's where I think it is interesting that it, it's, you know, if, if I'm willing to acknowledge, if I'm owning the mistakes that I made, it's quite difficult to forgive myself, particularly. And, and when I say myself, I'm saying it generically, particularly if it's the kind of thing that has repeated over the course of time. I cannot believe I did that again. How many times have you used that expression in your life? I cannot believe I did that again. I cannot believe that I allowed that person to treat me this way again. And that's when we get angry at ourselves and we get frustrated with ourselves. And we say, why can I never get this thing right? And that's where we battle to forgive ourselves. I think, I think that's what people mean when they say that it's difficult to forgive yourself. I assume that that's really the motivation behind it. Um, here's Chaim. Chaim says, once you can get past a situation and forgive somebody else, then it is done with. Assuming you can get there, right? When you're in a situation where you have to forgive yourself, it is more difficult to not revisit the matter again and again. Very interesting. So people always use the expression forgive and forget. And when it's somebody else, if you've pushed yourself and worked with yourself to the extent that you are willing to forgive you are probably able to forget. Let bygones be bygones. However, when it's with your own self, and we've, we've got, like, you don't ever leave yourself behind, right? Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. <laughs> There's no situation in life where you can say, okay, I'm just going to leave the old persona behind. You carry it, this reputational damage. Uh, think of the world of social media. You know, you post something when you're a teenager, and 30 years later, it's still going to be there for everybody to see. You can't just forget you'll, so to speak, constantly carry that shame. Whereas King David says in Tehillim, my sin is always before me. So I get it. I get exactly what Chaim is saying, that sometimes it's it, it's easier to let go of somebody else because it's their stuff, and I've worked it through, and I've come to appreciate what their hang-ups are all about and, and what stuff is theirs and that I'm not responsible for it, so I can forgive them and let them go. Whereas my own things are my things, and I do have a responsibility. I can't just shrug my shoulders and say, well... 
it's just unfortunate that this person was in a bad way. I am this person, so I cannot just accept that I'm in a bad way. And perhaps that's the reason why it's difficult to forgive ourselves. Okay. Um, a couple of other ones over here. Somebody says it's a very difficult question. Uh, Rene says, this is, ah, oh, this is the one I was looking for actually before. Rene says, to forgive others is actually easy for me. To forgive myself is more difficult. And I'm in a situation now that for years I've let other people treat me badly and I've forgiven them. But now I'm hurt at myself for not reacting earlier and letting it carry on so long. And I think that that speaks probably to the essence of the concept of not being able to forgive ourselves. Let's say that, God forbid, a person was in, let's just use an extreme example, an abusive relationship. So they may reach the point where they can forgive the abuser. They have this issue, they have this history, whatever it is, whatever you come up with to be able to forgive that person. And then they battle to forgive themselves. I cannot believe I allowed myself to be abused in that way for that long without standing up for myself. So there's an interesting one right there. So the question we're starting off with today is which one is more difficult to forgive others or to forgive ourselves at this time of the year when we focus on forgiveness and why? Why do you find the one more difficult than the other? It seems that the majority view so far is that it's more difficult to forgive ourselves. Love to hear your thoughts. You can text 34519 or on Telegram 0618951019. There are tweets coming through. You can join that tweet storm on uh, at FM or at Ravashish. And it's live on Facebook, on my Facebook page. You can also comment on the Chai FM Facebook page. Love to hear your thoughts and experiences. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here we are talking about forgiveness. And typically at this time of the year when we talk about forgiveness, as we do at this time of the year, you immediately think, ooh, who do I need to forgive? Who, over the last 12 months, has done something or other that upset me, that hurt me, and now I've got to find it within myself to be able to forgive them? Or, who do I need to approach to ask to forgive me? Who have I hurt that I need to approach in the course of the year? And we might have a mental list, and it's so-and-so, and if you're very sincere, you'll go over to that person, you'll say, listen, you may have forgotten about this, but it's been playing on my mind, I did X and Y, and I feel that I, I wronged you, and please would you forgive me? <laughs> Reminds me of that cartoon where there's this guy and he's on his knees and he says, God, smite my greatest enemy with a plague of locusts. And in the next frame of the cartoon, he's completely swarm, swarmed by, by locusts. And he says, uh, perhaps I should rephrase that. But there's something to be said for that, right? Who, who hurts us the most at the end of the day? They always say those who are closest are the ones who hurt us the most. But who's closest than ourselves? Who hurts us the most? We do. Who do we most have to apologize to ourselves? I mean, I don't mean this, God forbid, in a narcissistic way, that you should ignore other people and only care about yourself and only think about yourself. Not at all. In fact, on the contrary, it's quite an interesting thing that perhaps, perhaps, and this is definitely something to discuss, perhaps one of the reasons that we find it so difficult to forgive ourselves is because we have a sense of our own ego, cannot believe that somebody like me, somebody as intelligent as I am, somebody as educated as I am, somebody as religious as I am, could have done that. So there's this expectation that we've created for ourselves, and then we let ourselves down, and then we get angry at ourselves, and we're unwilling to forgive ourselves. But perhaps it's all built on a premise that was inaccurate, a premise that we were so perfect, a premise that we were what everybody else thinks of us, which is a lot of the time the case. You know, that there's this persona 
out there in the public eye. People look at us in a particular way and they think of us in a particular way. And we know what goes on in the dark recesses of our own minds. And it's not so pretty. <laughs> so that could be part of the reason, right? Could be part of the reason. Ilana says, it is definitely more difficult to forgive yourself because it comes with a lot of regret. So if we're going to speak about forgiving ourselves, we definitely have to address the question of regret. Is regret something, as a Jewish people, that the Torah advocates? Is it something the Torah encourages? Should we feel regret? For example, if you have a look in the Ramban, Maimonides, when he codifies the laws of Teshuvah, of how a person repents, says one of the key things is that you have to sense regret, real regret, the regret that is so in- intense that you never, ever, ever in a million years want to go back to that place. So, of course, regret is definitely part of the process. What's wrong with having regrets? Is, is it wrong? Is it wrong to have regrets? Is it wrong to have some kind of guilt? Um, so, yeah, in- interesting point. Uh, okay, here's uh, another a couple of interesting ones over here. Uh, Eliz- Elizabetta says it's uh, more difficult to forgive myself. Forgiving others is easy. I just forget the horrible people and my mind deletes them. Well, that's a wonderful place to be if you can do that. I think it's incredible. It's what we should be working to do, should be, but it's not necessarily, not necessarily easy. Here's somebody else. Michael says the same thing. It's also more difficult to forgive, to forgive yourself because it comes with regret. So it's interesting that people make a direct association with the personal regrets that I have and the inability to be able to forgive myself because I carry these regrets. Okay? Carry these regrets. Uh, here, somebody says, uh, I think it's harder to forgive yourself than to forgive others because you feel that you have choices and only you are to blame for the wrong ones. And I think that, that goes right to the core of this conversation. You know, somebody else's choices, I am not to blame for their choices. I don't appreciate being on the wrong end of their bad behavior. I don't like it. It's not comfortable. And I would do anything I could not to be in that position. But I don't own it. I don't take responsibility for it. It's not my problem. It's their problem. And my job is to stay out of their way. Whereas if I'm the one who's made the bad choices, I'm absolutely responsible for those choices. And that's why you can imagine that it's tempting and possibly even appropriate for a person to say, well, I cannot forgive myself for that. I had the knowledge, I had the insight, I had the experience, I had the opportunity, and I let it slip through my fingers. Or I allowed myself to get angry again with my children. Or I allowed myself to lose an opportunity because I wasn't motivated enough. Or I allowed myself to speak badly about people and I lost a friendship over, or whatever it is. And, 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 and it's my fault at the end of the day, as much as I would like to blame somebody else. Ultimately, it's 100% mine. I, I've got to own it. So that's very, very interesting. Here's uh, Tani on Twitter who says... Uh, Yes, as a child, I've done things that I haven't forgiven myself from. <laughs> but he says, don't worry, I didn't harm anyone. Okay, well, that's a relief. <laughs> of course you harmed somebody. You harm yourself, right? Surely, if you do something that's unhealthy and then you're unable to forgive yourself for it, surely the one you're harming is yourself? Surely? Okay, interesting. Uh, here's Bitachon18 on Twitter who says, I think it is easier to forgive others. What makes it more difficult to forgive yourself is the idea that we beat ourselves up and we live in our brain with a critical voice narrating our every move. Aha! There is something of interest. Why do we have a critical voice? Why is that so much the recording in our minds? The critical voice. You're not good enough. You didn't do this well enough. You let yourself down. You made a promise. You failed. Uh, all these self-defeating terms that 
They, they feel like they're just looping on some kind of a playlist in our mind. So why? Why do we have such a critical voice? Where does this come from? Is there some kind of a Jewish reason behind it? Is it somewhere written in the Torah that says, thou shalt feel guilty? Um, a lot of Jews, I think, would say that even if it's not written, it definitely seems to be part of the Jewish experience. Wow, hey? Most people, most people who have responded have said that it is more difficult. I, I'm trying to even see if there's somebody here who said it's more difficult to forgive others. Most people have said it's more difficult to forgive yourself. As Anushko says, it is easier to forgive others. We tend to understand individuality when we look at others. But when we look at ourselves, believing the lie is easier and we are harsher on ourselves. This makes it both harder to forgive yourself and to admit when you're wrong. So it's a little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of, on the one hand, I'm willing to justify things about myself that are not necessarily justifiable. And on the other hand, then I feel more guilty about it. I can't believe I did that. Then I can't believe I justified it. And we get ourselves into this spiral, this downward spiral of blame and regret and feeling bad about ourselves. It's quite interesting. It reminds me of the saying attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, where he said that depression is not a sin, yet it has the potential to be more destructive than any sin. And he was not talking about clinical depression. He was talking about this. He was talking about when a person spins themselves into this web of, I am so lost, I am so bad, I am so incapable of pulling myself out of whatever spiral I'm stuck in. It's that kind of thinking that actually becomes totally self-defeating. Because, you see? See how bad I am? See how many times I've left myself, let myself down? And I cannot let it go. I cannot forgive myself. So what happens? Let's talk about that. What happens to a person who cannot forgive themselves? What happens to them? When I say forgive themselves, I don't mean excuse themselves. Let's not confuse the two. Let's not confuse the two. It's bad to excuse bad behavior. If I'm out of line, I have to own it and be honest about it. That's not easy. It's not easy at all. And then I have to say I'm going to do something to radically change that and address it. But there has to be some ability, some capacity to be able to forgive myself. Otherwise, I carry that baggage with me wherever I go. And is that appropriate? Is it helpful? Or does it just become the weight on my shoulders that doesn't allow me to grow and to develop or even to allow myself the opportunity to become a new person because I'm so caught up with the inability to forgive myself of the old person I was. And that's why it's really, really interesting. Um, definitely an interesting experience to discuss. Here is, uh, sure, it's a very, very long Twitter name. But basically they say, it depends on your point of view or quote-unquote bias. Do you blame yourself or do you blame others for the things that went wrong? Ultimately, though, it doesn't matter. To fix the world, tikkun olam means healing and forgiving both at the same time. I don't know if they'll be at the same time, but I definitely agree that there's value in healing both. What do you have to say? Some very interesting perspectives coming through. You can share yours on 34519. That's our SMS line. You can use Telegram on 0618951019. Great conversation happening on both Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is at FM and at Abashish. Facebook is either the FM Facebook page or my Facebook Live, which is happening now. Really, really interesting, this notion, this discussion, this debate around forgiveness, forgiving ourselves. I really wish somebody could explain to me, why would you have 783 grams of anything? Can I just round it off or perhaps maybe I'm just OCD, I don't know. Uh, there seems to be a bit of lag over here. If you've sent any messages via either Telegram or SMS, it doesn't appear that they're coming through. So, 
you may want to try one of the other media. You might want to use either Twitter, at FM and at Rabashish, or you could use um, Facebook, either at the FM Facebook page or my Facebook page, because I definitely would love to hear from you, and I'm absolutely certain that there are other messages that are trying to get through, but for whatever reason are not getting through. That's how it is, but a tech gremlins, not altogether unusual. Here's Steve on Twitter. It says, Hashtag no doubt, more difficult to forgive yourself. Daniel says, to forgive others, you have to start with yourself. No, that's such a classic Jewish way of speaking. When you make a statement and you just put no in a question mark at the end of the sentence. That's so Jewish. You take a sentence, just <laughs> totally reconfigure it with a slight shift of punctuation. And of course, that no with a question mark is just so incredibly Jewish. But there you have it, a good point. Do you have to first be able to forgive yourself in order to be able to forgive others? Not sure. Not sure if it's a requirement. We can debate it. And perhaps people have different experiences on exactly that point. Let's have a look at some of the other things coming through. Um, Ronnie says, harder to forgive yourself. Here's Shlomo who says, I find that it is not the forgiveness that is difficult. It is the forgetting that is difficult. Okay, fair enough. As they say, forgive and forget. And the tongue-in-cheek version is never forget what you have forgiven. Uh, Bitachon18 on Twitter says, I think that we believe that to be loved, we must be perfect. And we put that impossible standard on ourselves. And thank you very much. That's exactly what I was looking for. See, if we're going to talk at this time of the year about Elul and reconciliation before we get to Rosh Hashanah and spiritual growth and reflection and forgiveness, we have to be really, really clear that we expunge this expectation of perfection from our minds. I don't know where it comes from. It is not a Jewish thing. Nowhere in the Torah does it say, thou shalt never fail. Thou shalt be perfect. In fact, on the contrary, what is Shlomo Amelech, the wisest man who ever lived? What does he say? Ki sheva yipol tzaddik v'kom. A tzaddik, a righteous individual. Not just a rogue. Not somebody who's unmotivated or disorganized or has the wrong value system. A tzaddik, a highly decent, really spectacular person, will fall seven times before he rises. Now that tells you something. That tells you that it's built into the system. The fact that we take a step forward and then two steps back, it's built into the system. It's not a rebellion against God. It's not objectionable. It's human. And that's okay. We are humans. Nowhere, ever, in Judaism, is there a suggestion that we should try to be angels, that we should even aspire to be angels. Yes, there are times in Judaism where we do things to make ourselves look like angels, like on Yom Kippur, when we don't eat or drink like angels, and we wear white to represent the purity, similar to angels. And we say certain parts of the prayers out loud, even though normally we keep them quiet, because we're like angels. And every single day when we do the repetition of the Amidah, the silent devotion, there's a section where we stand with our feet together, as when we do the Amidah, we stand with our feet together like angels who have one leg. But that's not to say that our aspiration is to be angelic. It's to say that there are certain times we would like to taste the flavor of that pristine spirituality that angels have. But we're human. And we fall. It's part of being human. In fact, what's beautiful and brilliant about the Jewish concept is that teshuva, which is the process of reclaiming what we had lost, of coming back from the brink, of fixing our mistakes, is something that is more spiritually potent than purity. Isn't that fascinating? 
In other words, yes, purity is very attractive. I would love to be in an environment where everything is tranquil and quiet and undisturbed and I'm absolutely plugged in and I have awareness and I, and I have clarity in my mind. That would be beautiful. It would be amazing. And that's pretty much what angels experience. It's not the purpose. It's not the goal. God has many, many angels, more angels than you care to imagine, more angels than there are stars in the universe. And yet, in spite of all of that, and they're all so squeaky clean, he still felt it worthwhile. And not only worthwhile, but he said that this is the purpose of the whole of creation, is to have us, us, people who are fallible, people who make mistakes. So this concept of being unable to forgive ourselves, so what, are we, are we holier than God? God can forgive us. Even when we rebel against him in the most severe way, let's say that we as a group of people, just for argument's sake, as a group, as a nation, had just experienced the most incredible kindnesses from God and then turned around and slapped him, so to speak, in the face by serving an idol. You've heard the story. It was called the golden calf. And yet he was ready to forgive us. So what, are we greater than God? Do we have an insight that God himself doesn't have and therefore we're not willing to forgive ourselves? Where does this come from? I know that a lot of the literature at this time of the year speaks about the forgiveness that we're supposed to give to other people and the forgiveness that we're supposed to ask from God. Absolutely, without a question, that is fundamental to what it is to be Jewish and fundamental to the particular service of God that we're supposed to do at this time of the year. But let us not for one second think that that means that Judaism believes that we should consistently hold ourselves in an unforgivable light. That's not healthy. There's a Yetzirah, somebody actually said this on Twitter, I have to find it, it was Leah, Leah said it on Twitter, that there's a Yetzirah, there's an inclination, I'll try and find her tweet, because there's quite a lot of tweets, here it is, she says, I think it's because of the Yetzirah, Yetzirah means the evil inclination, the Talmud says that there's a force inside of us that tries to destroy us, and I think a situation like this is the perfect opportunity for it, exactly, exactly, you see, when people talk about a Yetzirah, when they talk about an evil inclination, you kind of think, I don't know, some kind of a red guy with horns and a pitchfork, but actually, sometimes the Yetzirah, this evil inclination, can dress up looking really religious with a nice big fur hat and a long beard and payers and say, the most important thing for you to do right now is to feel really bad about yourself. And it would be wrong. <laughs> so, let's hear what you have to say about it. Let's keep the tweets going. At Ravashish at Chai FM. Conversation happening here on Facebook as well. Um, still looks like there are no SMSs and telegrams coming through, so hold that as a means of communication for now. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. What is it that gets into our heads that says that we cannot forgive ourselves? <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, because you look at that list. You look at that list that we read on Yom Kippur called the Al-Khayt list, and you think, oh boy, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I've done a lot of things that I should not have done. Or perhaps you read different stories in the Torah and you hear about the failings of individuals and the consequences that they face because of those failings. Or very simply, you just have this incredibly high expectation of yourself. Maybe it's something that your Jewish mother helped you to <laughs> to create in your own mind, that I should be this kind of perfect person. And then you turn around and say, I let myself down again. So what does the Torah say? What does the Torah say about it? It's so interesting when you look at it. So interesting. So, for example, we know that one of the things that the Torah says is in order for us to get rid of the baggage that we've carried because of bad decisions, what we need to do is we need to have harata al-he'avar, kabbalah toiva al-lahabar, which means a proper regret over the past and a good undertaking for the future. You know, think of it this way. 
or let's put it into these words. There are two terms that we use, and unfortunately people use them interchangeably, and they shouldn't. They should not be interchanged. One term is the term called atzvus, which is like melancholy and sadness. And the other is a term called merirus, which is bitterness. And they're totally different. I mean, on, on paper, they look like they're quite similar. But in human experience, they are antithetical, literally from one end of the spectrum to the other. Atzvus, that sad, melancholic kind of an approach, is absolutely trafe. It is outlawed by Judaism. It's not allowed. Merirus, which is a sense of bitterness, otherwise translated as a sense of urgency, is exactly what we're supposed to think and feel when we're trying to be introspective and we're trying to move away from the darkness of past experiences. To put it this way, to put it this way, just imagine for a second that we were not talking about some kind of spiritual choice. We were not talking about some kind of lost opportunity. We were not talking about uh, a bad relationship that, that, I, that I was responsible for ruining or whatever it is. Just imagine for one second, you were talking about a person who was walking down the street and tripped and fell in the mud. Just imagine that that happened. Or let's take it one step further than that. Let's say that there was somebody who said, don't walk down that path because you're going to slip and fall into the mud. And you ignored them and you still walked down that path. And now you slipped and fell in the mud. And to add insult to injury, they said, told you so. Which could very well mean that they're a part of your family, if that's the way they're talking to you. So now you're in the mud with a bruised ego and somebody who says that they had better ideas about how you should have done things that you really should have listened to and you didn't. So now what do you do? Do you sit in the mud and think, I can't believe I did this. How did I allow myself to be so stupid? How did I ignore good advice? How did I not see what was going to happen? And you sit there in the mud for another half an hour regretting the decision to have walked down this path. Would that be useful? Would anybody suggest that in any form of therapy, that's actually good for you? Sit in the mud, feel bad about the fact that you're in the mud, contemplate the mud, regret the mud, and refuse to forgive yourself for having fallen into the mud. <laughs> yeah, okay, it maybe sounds like some kind of a masochistic personal growth experience, but at the end of the day, you'll still be in the mud. So what's the point of not forgiving yourself for being in the mud if you're still in the mud? What have you gained? So the more natural approach in the mud is that you'd get up and you'd clean yourself off and you would quickly get out of the mud and you'd clean yourself and clean your clothes so that you could continue with the rest of your day without carrying the residue of the mud. Now, that's exactly what it means when we talk about this process of rectifying ourselves, of elevating ourselves, of reconciling ourselves with our spirituality, with Hashem. We're in the mud. At this time of the year, you look and you say, sheesh, over the last 12 months, I cannot believe I let myself slip into the mud. That's just what happened. So I did this wrong, and I let myself down in this area, and I destroyed that, and now I'm in the mud. If I refuse to forgive myself, then effectively what I'm saying is, I'm still in the mud. There's no way to get rid of the mud. The mud is now part of me. That's it. I now define myself from this moment going forward based on the mud that I fell into. Now I get up every single morning as a Jewish person, and I say this, I give gratitude and I acknowledge you, Hashem, why? That you gave me back my soul. And we say this every single morning. You know, if you've been doing it for long enough, it probably rolls off your lips as it should. Before you're even fully conscious, 
You say, but pause, hang on a second, what is the message? The message is that yesterday I was in the mud. Yesterday I completely wrecked everything. I had opportunities, I had a bad day yesterday. I lost my temper too many times. I didn't daven the way that I should. I wasn't nice to people. I don't know, whatever it is, you look back at you and say, yesterday I was in the mud. I get up this morning, what do I say? Hashem, you gave me my soul back. And then a little bit later in our morning prayers, we say, Elokai, my God, That soul that you gave me back, it is pure. In other words, God has just given you this incredible vote of confidence, which says two things. In spite of the fact that yesterday you completely wrecked everything. You were the worst behaved human being on the planet yesterday. I still have enough confidence to bring you back again today. What does that tell us? That tells us that he is willing to give us another chance, not a second chance. I don't know what number chance he's willing to give us. And not just that. He's not just giving us another chance. Fix fix yourself up. Go take a good shower. Get rid of the mud. No, he's giving us a neshama. He gives us a soul. A soul that is pure. In other words, every single day he says, and he reminds us, just by the sleep and waking process, he reminds us, you go to sleep, washed out, worn out, you wake up fresh. You go to sleep carrying the guilt of the day, you wake up with a new opportunity. Okay, today I'm going to make a run of it. Come on, we know that that's what happens to us in life. There are many mornings where you wake up and say, today's going to be that day. I feel motivated, I feel focused, I'm going to do something great. That's a gift. So that process of sleeping and waking is a gift from Hashem to help us to realize and to understand yesterday was yesterday. I do not have to define myself by yesterday. It's inappropriate for me to say that because something went awry yesterday, today I'm a loser. No, today my soul is pure. Maybe I'm not living closely enough with my soul. Maybe I'm not feeling the awareness of my soul. That's likely and very possibly the case. But my soul is pure. If I don't forgive myself, then I'm turning to God and saying, when you gave me the soul, you gave me a defective product. You gave me a product that could be contaminated by the mud that I was rolling in. Or you gave me a product, you gave me a soul, you gave me an essence that you calling pure and I'm telling you is unforgivable. So hang on a second, who's right? might be an, an expression of heresy, actually, for a person to say, I am unredeemable. Because God doesn't think of me as unredeemable at all. That's actually why he made a month of Elul. <laughs> he made it for me to forgive myself. I don't need Hashem to forgive me. He's ready to forgive me. How many times do we say it in our prayers that God is ravli sloyach. He is willing to forgive us again and again and again and again. And he doesn't have those limitations. He's infinite. He's beyond time, space or frustration and patience. Every single day, three times a day, we get up, except for Shabbos and Yontem, and we say a brocha with God's name that you are willing to forgive us because it's truth. We're the problem. We're not willing to forgive ourselves because we keep telling ourselves a story that I'm defined by the things I did wrong and it's not true. I'm defined by the essence of my soul. Things that I've done wrong are an aberration. They're getting in the way. I need to rediscover my soul. We'll come back to that in just a sec. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, so there we go. Finally, we've got a telegram message that has come through. Somebody says, it has taken me over 30 years to forgive, but still cannot forget. I think that's so honest. 
That's so true. Firstly, if it doesn't matter how long it takes for a person to forgive. Right? It doesn't matter. The fact that you've done it. In fact, I, I'd argue this. If it takes a person 30 years to forgive somebody, that means that they probably, and I'm going out on a limb over here. Maybe I'm being a little bit too, <laughs> too generous. But it probably means you've been grappling with this and working on this for 30 years. So the, the success is when you cross that finish line, but the marathon was getting to the finish line. So let's not undermine the value of all of that and the difficult work that that would take. Forget, yes, I know, it's very, very difficult to reach a point where you actually forget. Not simple. And I don't know necessarily that there is a requirement for us to forget. So that's on the topic, I suppose, of forgiving other people. This month, this time of the year, is uh, at, when I say this time of the year, it's not only Elul, it's going right through to Rosh Hashanah and to Yom Kippur, is very much about us forgiving ourselves. And again, not excusing ourselves. That's not what it means. It's forgiving the uh, forgiving our humanity, being willing to be comfortable with our own humanity, which means that we will try things and we'll fail. And rather than get caught up in the failure and the blame and the guilt over having failed, what we're supposed to do is pick ourselves up, brush ourselves off and say, but I have to remember that my neshama is pure. My soul is connected to Hashem. That experience that I went through, that was an aberration. That's not the real me. The job, that's why it's called teshuva. Teshuva means to return. It's usually translated, I know, as repentance. But there's a landmark talk from the Lubavitcher Rebbe where he says, look at the English, at the English translation of the word teshuva. The directions, not only English, the correct translation and definition, teshuva means to return. Return means that there is a core, which is the way it should be, and the whole objective of this time of year is to go back to that place. If I have my heels stuck in the ground and I cannot shift because I cannot forgive myself, because I can't let go of the things that were wrong, then I'm not doing teshuva. Then I'm not returning. I'm not acknowledging the truth of what Hashem has given me, which is this beautiful soul. Instead, I've created actually, to be absolutely brutal, uh, I've created my own religious system, which says that I'm entitled to be so harsh on myself. And I'm entitled to define myself based on my failures. And I'm entitled to hang on to the negative. It's not Torah. It's not Judaism. Just like not only did Hashem forgive us for the golden calf, we moved on from the golden calf, and not only did we move on from the golden calf, but as a direct result of that, we got to have a festival called Yom Kippur, which is a festival of atonement. So we need to understand there's this principle that Yerida Tzorech Aliyah, that the way God has designed the world is that any time that there's a collapse, any time that there's a retrograde movement, you know, that something's going against the way that it should, it's an opportunity and a catalyst for greater growth. If I cannot forgive myself, then effectively what I'm saying is when I've gone backwards, it means I am backwards. And that's not a Jewish view. The Jewish view is I have to cut myself some slack and say I shouldn't have gone there, but I did. Now, what am I going to do with that? How will I flip this? How will I turn it into an opportunity for growth and greatness? And that's really what we should focus on at this time of the year. There are a whole lot of other messages that I did not have the opportunity to read, but I do thank you for sharing them. We can continue this conversation on social media afterwards. Please, God, we should recognize that God is willing to forgive us and we should be willing to forgive ourselves and to touch the truth of who we are in spite of what we have done. And most importantly, to use every failure as a catalyst for incredible growth and development. I wish you a good Shabbos and a successful month of Elul. Stay safe and stay sane.